So when me and John had a chat last night and we were like, what do we feel like God wants us to convey today? And um, something that was on my heart that I brought up with John and John was really on board with it was um, this notion of um, our own desires and where God fits in with that because um, it's something that has become really prominent right, uh, lately and like this this real mantra of the world like do your own thing go your own way make your own luck make your own success this and that and I think that um, it's inherently misguided and we can easily fall into a trap of living for ourselves very easily very very easily and I think that when we look at the Bible and what God's telling us, it's, it's almost antagonistic to that worldview where God's like, no, um, take up your cross. And we'll get into some of this stuff tonight. Um, but yeah, John, what were your thoughts when we had this? Yeah, I mean, it raises a lot of interesting questions. Um, fundamentally, these are questions about uh, what we're living for and how we do life. Um, and yeah, I think it's going to be a great discussion tonight um, to sort of get into it together and hopefully spark off some discussions um, in your families and in your friendship groups and um, later tonight. But do you, want to, do you want to pray and kick us off? Awesome. Let's do that. Uh, Father God, as we come uh, before you today, though we are separate, Lord, um, we want to hear from you, Lord. Speak uh, to me and John today and speak through us, Lord, that these words would resonate in their hearts and there'd be some fruitful discussion about what it means, Lord, to live for your will and not our own. Be with us, son. In your name, amen. Amen. Awesome. So um, I guess what I wanted to just like start off initially with is that um, there's this, this is what like the, the thought that came to me when we were kind of planning for today. Um, I was listening to a podcast from Tim Mackey and I loved what he said about how some people, and I feel like I've been in this boat many times, we almost paint God as a politician. I don't know if, you, I don't know if you've heard anything of the sort, but essentially it's where we're asking, or not even asking, we're almost demanding that God is approving our own desires and, and our own will. We're like, God, like you're on my team, yeah? Like, I voted for you. You're this guy that's meant to be there for me. I, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm giving money. Like, I voted you in, so you haven't delivered on your end. And I thought it was a very interesting, um, you know, way of viewing that type of relationship or situation because I think it's very uh, detrimental and it's very short-sighted. It's almost like you're trying to subdue God. You're trying to put, like, God in a box where he's your little... Um, you know, genie that comes out and is like trying to approve your things. And it's very, um, again, detrimental and it's not um, cognitive, it's not coherent with the biblical story. Um, mm. But I think, John, what you said yesterday about like, where, where should we start off? Like, what's something that um, needs to be understood for us to understand that, you know, it's actually, it shouldn't be our will first. Well, do you, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with that idea of the politician? I reckon we can okay. start there. Sure, let's um, do that. I guess, so you're saying that um, that sort of way, so, you know, we can view God as someone who uh, we feel like we expect something from and it's on our own terms. Mm -hmm. And you talk about that that's not 
part of what the scripture communicates about who God is. So I guess my question is, um, like, what do you see in the Bible that goes against that? Like, what, what, why do you think that that's not consistent with what the scripture communicates? Good question, John. I, and I think that the answer to that or, or how, how I would view this, this situation is that the Bible makes it very clear that it's essentially your life that is laid down where um, in, in Luke, Christ talks about um, this daily death take up your cross daily and follow me. And um, essentially you rid yourself of your own desire and you rid, you rid yourself of your own wants, and you say, Christ, what you want is what I want. And it's, it's, it's almost like what we see. In fact, we see a very beautiful picture of it uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane where it's, it's actually, Lord, it's your will, not my own. It's your will that, that I'm, I'm okay with and it's your will that's going to be done. Mm. Um, so I think that's very powerful, yet extremely difficult, extremely difficult. Mm. Uh, but that's what I think the biblical story is pointing towards. Like that is the, the idea of submission that we should be striving towards. Mm. Well, it's interesting. It's like, it's, it's where you draw the line, right? Like um, we all, we make thousands of decisions each day. We probably only make a handful of really important decisions in our lifetime. And it's hard to draw the line between like, what's a decision that God, that I need to submit to God in and what's not. Mm -hmm. Like you can say, I feel like, uh, I feel like steak for dinner tonight. And so you make the decision to go and buy steak and cook it and you eat the steak. Um, And in that situation, you have a will, like you have a desire, that desire translates into a will. And then you just sat you know you just play out your will and god doesn't really factor into it very much but then i guess we talk about these really big decisions especially like in a young adult youth environment talk about big decisions like who am i going to marry and um what what uh what am i going to study or what am i going to pursue in terms of career um and then i guess even bigger things like what am i going to dedicate my life to and how am i going to try and frame my day-to-day life um, and that, that uh, then we, you know, of course we say, well, no, we need to submit to God and we need to, you know, lay down. A hum- it's hard to draw the line. Like, how, how do you draw the line? When do you say, this is a decision where I need to be submitting to God? Is this a false um, dichotomy? Like, is, is this right. a false bidding where actually, no, it's not like that? Like, what do you think? I think, I think it comes, this is my personal opinion and it's each of their own, but I, I believe that it's, it's kind of, um, you have this inclination that the decision you're making is significant. It's of significance, it matters, and um, you see the dichotomy before, you see the fork in the road, and there's a multitude of paths that could take that would lead to um, many different scenarios, many different circumstances, many different events. And some of the, some of the decisions you alluded to, I definitely see, um, the calling of God in those things, in who am I going to marry? Lord, what am I going to do? Where do you want me? These types of things. And I don't, and I don't attach that same significance to should I eat wheat bix or cornflakes this morning? I know it's comical, but I think apparent and inherent within these decisions, you can begin to see the significance and importance that um, they hold and that God is asking to be a factor and to play a role and to uh, 
really be an active part of your thought process and decision making in, in these types of really, really important um, choices. What do you think? Is that me causing the Sorry about that. Um, I was just saying, so fundamentally, it's about significance, the significance that you attach to your decisions. Um, and I think actually, I think actually that's a really good way of looking at it. Um, I guess, uh, I guess one way that I've, I have learned to think about it, and I think this is also from Tim Mackey, if I remember, is like, it's the same way that you think about what a father's will for his child is. So a father might say, okay, we've just had dinner at six o'clock. Now, son, what I want you to do is I want you to enjoy playtime. I want you to have some time to play. And, and if, uh, if the father found the child had gone to bed early or had, um, or was doing homework and the father really wanted the son to relax and play, you know, your father would say, you know, no, please, I want you to play. That's my will for you right now. But what would be silly is if the boy sat down to, you know, do a jigsaw puzzle and the dad said, no, you should really play Uno instead. Or you should, you know, I'm very unhappy that you're playing, you know, Fortnite. You should really be playing Call of Duty. And it's that, yeah, it's it's that it's not so much that God's obsessed with the minutia of our lives, but he's obsessed and intimately interested in the spirit of it. Mm-hmm. And so there might be things where um, we're often asking God the wrong question. Like, it might be that there's a certain situation where you say, oh, should I work at Nike or should I work at Adidas? I don't know. And even though that's a job and, you know, it carries its own significance, it might be that both are fine from God's point of view for you. And what God really wants you to focus on is how's your quiet time with me? How are you connecting with your parents right now? How are you connecting with your friends? How are you connecting in the church? Um, so, yeah, I feel like we can often even though we there might be things that we focus on that we think God really cares about and we're, we're asking the wrong question. Our focus is in the wrong place. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that is a, that's a really beautiful way of putting it, John. And I think, I think it takes us to, we can touch on another point here in that um, oftentimes I think that we can forget that um, this is something that John was talking about yesterday, and I think it's really important that we touch on to like set this foundation. It's like you were, you really were bought at a price. Like your life is is not your own. And when you say when you call Christ Lord, do you? This is a genuine question. Do you understand the significance of that? Like, do you genuinely comprehend how uh, how or the the magnitude of what you're saying? When you call, like look at landlord and all the time, that's obviously a very minute example, but essentially the word Lord, you're declaring that someone has this utter um, ownership and value and, and, and um, so you, you're in an act of submission to them. And yeah. when, when you say these things, do your, is there, is there this congruency with your actions? Because if you, if you understand that your life is not your own, and and it's and you're here to follow god's will then uh, some of your own desires or parts that you're asking god like hey god 
there's this particular decision or this particular uh, job or relationship or fill in the blank. And this is what I want, God. So, you know, make it happen. You know, I voted for you and this is what I want. This is my will and let's do it. But uh, what would you say to that, John? Yeah, I mean, I guess like talking about, um, so I, I think firstly, we got to acknowledge, so the fundamental thing you're talking about is where someone says, God, Jesus, I'm on your team. So if I'm on your team, you need to do right by me. Please do this for me. Um, it's the equivalent of, uh, you know, uh, now I'm finding it hard to think of an example, but it's, yeah, I mean, I guess a politician is the same answer of, of, you know, Alan Tudge, I voted for you. Um, please now tell the parliament, we really need another water fountain in the primary school. One water fountain is not enough. <laughs> okay. And if Alan Tudge doesn't do that, you say, Alan Tudge, come on, mate, I voted for you. You know, I'm a member of the, of the Alan Tudge party. Come on, mate. Um, and I guess, I think we've got to acknowledge that there's a reason that people think like that. I think it's very intuitive. And I think also a lot of people can read the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, and think, oh, yeah, that's how God works. So, you know, the, um, uh, you know, Elijah, very righteous man. He prays for fire to come down from heaven. God brings down fire from heaven. And, you know, um, the disciples, they fasted and prayed. And after they fast and prayed, the demons get cast down. And it's like, and it's an almost insidious thing that you can be taught where prayer is where you ask God to do something. And if you've been good enough, he will do it. And if he doesn't do it, that means that you're not good enough or maybe God isn't even there. And that's a really obviously um, foolish way of thinking because then I guess we have a lot of stories in the Bible where it's completely different to that um, where God answers the prayers of people who are not in a right place. And that's not even a right thing or God will bless someone when by all accounts, he shouldn't. Um, could, well, what, what do you think? Can you think of like any, any examples that stand out to you? Um, there's this misrep misunderstanding of, of how God's working in the Bible. And I think that, it's inherently because people um, people are not understanding the or how their will aligns with God. And and many times and oftentimes when you see in those situations like you were talking about with Elijah and many and particularly in the Old Testament, but throughout the Bible, where you have uh, the will of God and and the will of and their will, it's aligned. They're in unison. And, and that's where God is acting. That's where Elijah's in tune with what God wants, God's will. And he's there acting that out. He's living in the will of God. And so God's hand is upon him and, he, and he's blessing him. And what, what Eli this is the key point, actually. What Elijah wants is what God wants. So that's, that's what you see many times or oftentimes in these scenarios. Whereas what sometimes someone who's like looking from the outside and may have that opinion, John, is their will. And God's will is like, well, no, like that's, this is not what I want for your life. This is not in your best interest. And we'll touch on this later tonight. Um, mm. But that, that's what I want to say in, in terms of your first point. Yeah, I guess that's what Jesus revealed about the nature of prayer. 
um, that, and we see it revealed in his, in the Lord's Prayer and in the way that he lived his life, which was, at the end of the day, your will be done. And even the prayer before he was crucified, your will be done. This idea of submitting your will um, right. and, and that being the truest fulfillment of prayer, which is really powerful. How do we do that? How do we do that? Like, what do, like, how do we do that? Because it, it's, um, yeah. That's the million dollar question, John. And I think that, I think that it's, it's very difficult. And I think that um, it requires discipline, spiritual discipline. It requires this emptying of self. And, and I think that as, as I even say those words, it's very easy to say, but just the image of someone who's so humble and empty of themselves and completely filled by God, the only, the only thing that comes to mind is Jesus himself, where to stand before um, something that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy and to say like your will, not my own, um, that is inherently surrender. And how do we get to that place? I think. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is spiritual discipline and um, this intimacy with Christ where um, yeah, I'm yeah. not going to try and come up with any analogies, but I assume a marriage is, is, is somewhat along this path, though I have not gone to that spot just yet or if at all. But um, where you, I assume this, again, I assume you have this understanding with your partner, like you know um, the heart of your, your spouse and when you're at that place, um, that's where essentially you can, there's this, there's this beautiful unity. And how we get to that place with Christ is through this fostering of intimacy and this, this yeah, that, that's what I would say for that. Yeah, I think that's a really good, like intimacy with Jesus. I feel like the closer you get to the cross, like the closer you get to realizing how much Jesus loves you and what the magnitude of what he's done for you and for us, you can then say, really, it's all good. Like whatever happens, it's all good. And that's, I think that's a great segue into some of the other points that we had um, yeah. in that we are limited. We're in, we are inherently limited, yet God is this, this being that is so above and beyond. And I think some of the things that we were thinking about is that God actually has this greater understanding of what's actually in our best interest. And our own understanding is, is indeed very limited. So anything you want to say in that regard? Yeah, well, I guess, I guess yeah, like the bigger point is that um, at the end of the day, it's all good. I can't remember um, uh, where Paul writes this, but he's writing from prison and he's just reflecting on his life and saying like, I've learned to be content in any circumstances. Doesn't matter if I'm in chains or free. It doesn't matter if I'm well-fed or starving. It doesn't matter, um, you know, where what's going on in my life. I've learned to be content. And it's, it's being able to do that. And I think that stems from deep, uh, thanks Dave, Philippians. Yeah, and that's where he says, how can he do all that? It's through Christ who strengthens him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, John? Yeah. yeah, so I think like that, and I think you, that stems from deep love and intimacy with Jesus. And 
you'll catch a glimpse of it sometimes where if you're madly in love with your partner um, and you'll be going through difficult circumstances and you'll just be lying in bed together and you'll just say at the end of the day, like, it's okay. I love you. Like we've got each other. It's all okay. And in Jesus, there's an even more profound realization of that, of no matter what, Jesus, I have you and I have you in eternity. It's okay. So I think that's like the first and most important thing that needs to be communicated. And then I guess, yeah, in like a real practical setting, I think um, we can have strong ideas about what's in our best interests and what the most joyous thing would be for us. And that idea will be wrong and God knows better. And as the loving father who's there watching over all, he will direct things in a different way. And we got to learn how to emotionally process that and how to navigate that. It's difficult, but it needs to be done. Do you have any like stories or any examples of that? Nothing essentially that comes to mind. Um, Obviously we were, we were having a chat about Isaiah 55 where it says that, you know, God's, God's thoughts are above our own thoughts. God's ways are higher than our own ways. And sometimes it's difficult to comprehend that. And it's difficult to actually believe that in the day to day where sometimes we can um, be masters of our own will or be masters of our own daily walks. And I think um, this is something that you said, John, uh, our desires are very much and oftentimes circumstance dependent. Oftentimes, it's um, God, this is where I am now, so this is what I need, and this is what I want. And we become clouded. Our judgment is hazy, and it's it's not this um, calculated um, thing. And it's and it's essentially not it's not in our best interest either. And when we're in this place of um, need and difficulty that's where sometimes we 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 put into practice that politician thing like god look where i am god i'm on your team where are you now i've voted for you and you haven't you haven't stuck up your end of the of the bargain or of the deal and what do you think in regards to that yeah i mean the reality is life poses a lot of challenges and they'll be very upsetting so you know when i'm just talking now about um, you know, not getting a job that you applied for as a 16-year-old. Like, we're talking about um, losing the life of a loved one. We're talking about your whole um, career coming to an end in unforeseen circumstances. We're talking about the one dream that you had, whatever it is that you've worked your whole life towards, falling apart and not coming to fruition. These are very difficult things. Um, and it's easy to talk about them over Zoom um, without having to grapple with the pain of being in those scenarios. But they happen. And I guess, you know, as a youth group and as a young adult community, we want to have, we want to grapple with these things for some of us after we face them to process things, but also for a lot of us, it's to have the mental framework and the spiritual framework there um, to help us for when we do face them in the future. Um, so I guess that's what we're talking about. And um, I guess like one example that uh, really touches me um, 
is Joseph in the Bible, where you can imagine this is like a teenage kid. He's lost his mum already, but he's got a dad who really loves him. Um, and he knows that, you know, his dad favours him and has a blessing for him and a plan for him. And then he even gets this incredible dream that he's certain is from God about how amazing his life will be where his parents and his brothers and, uh, and his, all his brothers are bowing down to him and he imagines what greatness he'll achieve in life. And out of that young, youthful, optimistic circumstances, he finds himself, you know, a few years later, miles and miles from home in an Egyptian prison accused of rape with no one who even knows his name. And in the depths of that dungeon, who knows what thoughts, you know, crossed his mind um, and what profound depression was in his heart when he thought about the God above, who was supposedly the God of his fathers who cared about him and had a plan and purpose for him. And then that same person in the depths of that Egyptian prison, give it, you know, 10, 15 years, is now the second most powerful man in the ancient world with the power of life and death for hundreds of thousands of people. And he's able to say to his brothers while choking back tears, I see that God intended this all for the saving of many lives and is able to see God's bigger picture. And I think it's such a profound story of, um, of hope really, like where I just encourage, like for some of you who feel like you're in those very difficult circumstances, um, there will come a time and it might be tomorrow. It might be in a few weeks, might be in months, might be in years where you'll say, God, I realize that you intended this for X reason. And you might not re you might not see it until you get to heaven. Um, but I, I have complete faith that, uh, that that will happen. And it's not to say that Joseph didn't have more than 10 years of a miserable life as a slave, as an accused rapist, as a prisoner. He did. He suffered that time. It was terrible. It wasn't not painful. But um, life is full of suffering. And I guess what we need to grapple for is the meaning in that suffering and the purpose in that suffering. And like even talking outside of a Christian perspective, a lot of people who've gone through profound suffering when they reflect on it all they say that's what brought them through is they saw the purpose they saw the meaning in the midst well then yeah no john those, those are some awesome thoughts and i think that brings us to then okay well then what is our broader purpose have we lost sight of our broader purpose because i think that's even a really good place to, to start what in essence what are we living for are we living for self are we living um, for self-gratification of our own desires. Like, I want this relationship. I want this. I want that. I want this particular career. And we can lose sight very easily of, of the race at hand and, and of the real and ultimate price or prize in this life. Um, and it's easy because I feel like, oh, obviously, I'm biased to the 21st century, but it's, it's, it's uh, harder than ever 
to, to stay on track and stay on the narrow path when you're constantly being bombarded with, you know, go your own way, do your own thing. This is your purpose, live this out and such and such. So how do we stay on track? And, and how do we really cement uh, what I brought a purpose is and internalize that? Because I think only from there can we begin to surrender self and to choose God's will above our own, where we understand that there's actually a bigger picture at hand. There's, there's a bigger part that I'm, that I'm playing where it's not just about myself. It's not just about self-gratification. Actually, no, you're, you, there's a particular purpose for your life and, and uh, God's calling you to live that out. And I think once we understand that and internalize it, only then can we begin to live with God's will first. Yeah, I mean, that's a question each person needs to ask themselves of, do I have an understanding of what my purpose is? Um, and, you know, obviously we all believe that the answer to that's contained in, in the Bible. Um, and there's lots of different ways to break it down, but um, a very simple way by a guy called uh, Rick Warren, I want to say, who wrote The Purpose Driven Life, um, is fundamentally it's about becoming more and more like Jesus, serving others, connecting with other people who are trying to become more like Jesus. And then one of the biggest things on planet Earth is bringing other people to a knowledge of Jesus. And then a, a, the last thing, big picture in eternity, is worshipping and being glor glory to God. And, you know, that's how we have to think about our purpose. And I think everyone needs to sort of reflect and say, is that really what I signed up for? Is that really my purpose? And if the answer is no, that's fine. And then you just got to reevaluate where you are in terms of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. But if the answer is yes, which I hope it is from, for a lot of us, then we have to say, well, how am I trying to live that purpose out? What am I actually doing in my life to realize that purpose? Am I, am I even reading the Bible? Am I even spending time in community with God, in prayer and in worship? Am I connecting with others? Am I sharing the gospel with others? Am I worshiping God in the decisions that I make, in the ways that I walk in obedience? These are the really, really big questions we need to ask ourselves, I think. And it's only after we answer all those questions that we can start to talk about um, you know, who does God want me to marry? And, and what the For sure. Should. And I, I think um, as we'll, we'll wrap it up soon, I think on a more personal level, we, we were just having a chat the other day with like, what uh, in your own life, like what specific desires do you have that you think like God is calling you out of or that God himself wouldn't approve where you're actually um, not living out in the will of God and um, potentially, I know it's challenging and, and, and it may indeed be. And I think that it is challenging for a reason because it's not comfortable. It's, it's definitely not comfortable to live with yourself first and, and to always be thinking of, of God in each and every situation. And we said something like, what specific God, desires do you have that you think that you know, God is saying that we're, we're actually not aligned here. You've actually gone your own way and I'm trying to call you back. And, and let's do, let's do this together. Let's have, you know, um, I've got this specific calling of your life and this, this will that's so beautiful 
and beyond comprehension, do you trust me? And I think this is a point that we'll end on tonight later, where um, it's, it's ultimately a trust uh, thing where do you trust God that he has, um, he has it under control? It's kind of like what you were saying, John, at the end of the day, where like you get home and, and when things are finished, I'm kind of butchering what you're saying, but you're like, you know what? It's okay. God's got this. Um, but let's, let's finish off with some of these things. Are you worried that he's calling you out of something or are you trying to force a particular path or situation whilst knowing that God wouldn't be okay with it? I think these are some very challenging and difficult questions. Yeah. What do you think, John? Well, I, um, is that me? I apologize if that's me. Um, one of the scariest stories in the Bible for me um, is when, uh, so Samuel is the judge over Israel. He's the ruler over Israel. And at that time, a judge, they didn't really have much legal um, authority. And uh, really the nation of Israel functioned effectively as like a tribe and God really was their only authoritative ruler. And the people come before Samuel and say, hey, tell, appoint a, appoint a king for us. And Samuel goes to God and says, hey, the people are asking, they want a king. And God's like, all right, well, if that's what they asked for, give it to them. It's not in their best interest. It's not what's right. And the way that I founded this whole thing with Moses was for me to be the ruler and there to be no king. But if that's what the people want, give it to them. And so they give it to them. And on the face of it, um, yeah, it was really sad. And that ended up leading to the, you know, even in the first three kings, um, huge decisions. And within, within four kings, you already had the nation of Israel split into two. Fast forward a few hundred years and it's exile. And ultimately the complete destruction of the nation of Israel while Judah was preserved. All of this to say that we can think that we can ask God for something and work towards something and that at the end of the day, if it's not God's will, he'll stop it and he'll protect us from it. But that is not true. And we see that in this story. It's not true. You might be asking God, God, um, is this relationship with so-and-so the right person? Uh, is, is this relationship with so-and-so right? Is this relationship with so-and-so right? And meanwhile, you continue to pursue a relationship with so-and-so. And you might think to yourself, well, if God didn't want it to happen, God will stop it. But he won't. And you might have to suffer the consequences for the decision that you've made. And that's what we see in, in, that, in, in the Bible. Um, and it's a very sobering and scary thought. So all of this to say that it's not enough to... Um, just you know raise a cup in the sky and say god if if uh if this is your will you know let it happen we have to very seriously just like you said align our will to god and go from there um, and if we don't uh you know it's it's at our own peril mm-hmm. i think yeah i think for sure that is that's a difficult almost disturbing and confronting thought that um, the ball is in your court, as in um, 
the consequences or of your own decisions are upon you and it's god isn't gonna like come in and be like actually the king for israel it's actually not ideal so that's not gonna we're not gonna approve of that one today and obviously this is a conversation of its of its own accord and its own uh for its own time but it really should get us thinking that at all times i want to be walking with god's heart before me with god's will on my mind and in intimacy and unison with him as if two friends walking down the sidewalk together that's how i imagine it where um, you're in step with each other it's in perfect harmony and in sync and i think only there do you find true purpose true true meaning and um, really begin to get a grasp of, of the bigger picture and the part that you play um, so i guess we'll, we'll we'll finish with these two final questions that you guys can discuss in your groups or, or reflect on later where um bringing it back to the start do you feel sometimes that you're treating god as a politician like he's someone you've voted in to your life like yeah this this god idea i like it you know he's gonna be looking out for me and all this stuff and when the circumstances get difficult you look to god and you're like god like i've voted for you where, where are you at um i'm really going through something difficult right now or, or i really want your approval for this relationship and we're trying to to jam god into the star piece when we've got a square we're saying god i'm, I'm trying to force this particular agenda god approve it please god approve it um where god's saying like no this essentially um, it's not my will. And, and if it happens, it may lead to, you know, something, but it's more difficulty and harm for you down the road. And, and I pray that we continue to walk with Christ and, and that we can stray away from that age. So are, are we treating God sometimes as a politician? It's very easy to, uh, and it's difficult to get out of that mindset. Um, or are we treating God as Lord and saying that, Lord, whatever it is, I submit to your will. Um, you submit before him your own desire and you say, what you want, Lord, is what I want.